Welcome to this episode on Levi-Strauss Structuralism, CSUSM's original podcast created by our anthropology students for anthropology enthusiasts. If you are a fan of anthropological theory and interested in Levi-Strauss's theory of structuralism, then you will enjoy this podcast. In this episode, we discuss how structuralism was developed, the reasons it was critiqued, and how it can still be applied in modern society. Thank you for listening. My name is Joshua Bendick. Today, joining us is Denise Abolita. She will begin by giving us background information of structuralism, its history, and its application. Thank you, Josh. Let's begin by introducing Levi Strauss. He is the most important figure in anthropological structuralism and is regarded as the father of structural anthropology. He studied philosophy and law, and while working in Brazil, his exposure to different cultures influenced his thinking about human thought cross-culturally. While teaching in New York, He took the model of structural linguistics and applied its framework to culture and proposed that the focus of anthropological investigation is on the underlying patterns of human thought that produce the cultural categories that organize worldviews. Strauss believed these processes did not determine culture, but instead operated within it. His work was influenced by Emile Durkheim and Marcel Mousse, as well as Nikolai Trubosky from whom he derived the concept of binary contrast, which became fundamental to his theory of binary oppositions. He also proposed that culture, like language, is composed of hidden rules that govern the behavior of of its participants. What differentiates cultures from one another are the hidden rules participants understand but cannot articulate, making the goal of structural anthropology to identify these rules through its binary oppositions. In a nutshell, Structuralism aims to understand the underlying remain meaning of human thought as expressed in cultural expression. By examining kinship, myth, and language, anthropologists may discover underlying thought processes. Now that we have a better understanding of the baseline of his theory, we can take a closer look at what he identified as the underlying thought processes. Some of the key points for his theory are that mental processes operate in culture they do not create it, and that the objective of his theory is to find the hidden cultural rules. This, he proposed, would be achieved by identifying the binary oppositions within the society. The, bin- the specifics of binary oppositions, he used this term to explain human knowledge as well as how natural phenomena are constructed in opposite ways. In simple terms, binary opposition is composed of two opposing views as an up and down, old and young, big and small. For him, binary oppositions construct ideological positioning and it was a way to give us stories between good and evil when one side is seen more favorable, leaving the other side to be marginalized. The problem with this opposing views is that it creates division and can influence problems such as racism because in the views of binary opposition, opposites such as black and white, black is always considered the dark side and evil whereas white is a universal symbol of purity and goodness. Having this as a general view automatically places black on the marginalized side and as inferior to white. When it comes to kinship for Strauss, kinship is a basic structure that all human societies have in common. It is used to decide who marries who, to whom inheritance belongs to, and kinship contains units and rules for connecting those units. He points out that kinship systems structure how goods, ideas, and people are exchanged within a culture. For example, 
as in the exchange of women as wives for a dowry. For him, this exchange of women is the fundamental expression of the principle of reciprocity, with, with, without, without which a society would not be possible. Reciprocity is not unique to the exchange of women, however, and therefore it must have a universal function that it fulfills. Understanding kinship allows us to scientifically discover the foundation of societies and the meaning of social existence. Now to move on to myth. To him, myth is no more than the structure imposed on it by the unconscious mind. And when it comes to language, he saw culture as a pattern very similar to language. The theoretical approach of structuralism focuses on that elements of culture must be understood in terms of the relationship to the system as a whole. This simply means that elements of culture are not explained on their own, instead form parts of a meaningful system. Structuralism targets the human thought process in an effort to explain the underlying meaning existing in cultural phenomena. In short, structuralism searches the underlying pattern of thought in all aspects of human activities. Strauss believed that structural similarities are the basis of all cultures and analyzing the, the relationships among cultural units could provide insights into innate and universal principles of human thought. It's because of the growth and popularity of the ideas of structuralism that we're talking about it today, but it's important to acknowledge the critiques of the concept. Critics of the theory note that it does too much to simplify the concepts of human culture and does not acknowledge the differences between different societies. The theory of binary opposition, for example, simplifies the ideas of many different societies by looking for similarities in groupings, but it does not focus on the unique aspects of how cultures came to group things this way. Nevertheless, structuralism's legacy has survived and the work of Levi-Strauss remains an important stepping stone in the development of anthropological theory. Now we can look at how structuralism is applied today. As Joss has just stated, structuralism remains a relevant theory today that has influenced several other disciplines, including linguistics, philosophy, and psychology. In modern use, it forces anthropologists to broaden the scope of social inquiry by looking beyond seemingly isolated phenomena and recognizing the interconnectedness of human thoughts and action as part and process of a system. Strauss' theory has influenced the development of new disciplines, such as neuroanthropology, which has raised new questions about the relationship between structural foundation of human brain activities and shared patterns of culture and human behavior. It's this neuroanthropology that I personally believe is the most important part of Levi-Strauss's theory. Paired with Carl Jung's psychological theories of human consciousness, I think it's a great investigative tool to look into human societal structure. While this may be the case in the modern day, structuralism became criticized in the past due to its simplification of cultures. And more culturally relativistic theories, such as symbolic anthropology, most commonly associated with the Victor Turner, became more widely used. And although Levi-Strauss's structuralism is no longer viewed as a theoretical approach, it is important to remember that Levi-Strauss and his structuralism theory provide an important contribution for debating the nature of meaning. One of the biggest problems associated with structuralism is that it lacks historical context by not taking into consideration past events. It is also considered static, emotionless, inhuman, and not in applicable to life and due to the fact that it favors predetermined structural forces, it limits human agency and free will. 
Now let's talk about structuralism in the future of anthropology. There are many uh, theories that are used in anthropology today, but I personally believe that structuralism can be implemented in future anthropological research. Although I do acknowledge that problems that are associated with it, such as disrespect, simplification, etc. What do you think, Denise? I agree. Despite its flaws, it has good applications within and outside of anthropology, as we already discussed. As for future uses, I think we will benefit from, from its application in current social problems, especially as social and political movements have become so popular nowadays. Applying his theory can offer new perspectives for the analysis of power, politics, and social action, and help to develop political solutions. An advantage of structural analysis is that it allows for an in-depth analysis of how thought and de can develop at the individual level and be transformed into action on a collective level. When it comes to its connections to psychology, the notion that the whole is greater than the parts very much draws upon the Gestalt school of psychology. It also has been a fairly modern resource in connecting with Carl Jung's psychological theories of human consciousness showing the similarities of the human mind between humans that have developed societal structures in different areas of the world, which really goes to show how different the societies can be, but also quite the same. As we end our discussion, we shall emphasize that we understand the flaws in his theory, but we also recognize that by perfecting and expanding them, we can also benefit from applying it in modern uses like we've discussed today. Thank you for listening. I'm Joshua Bendick. And I'm Denise Abeleda. 